in today's show. We're looking back at the Indiana Pacers and their 2021-2022 season. Michael Bolton, he's going to look back with me. Michael, are you there? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. As you're aware, hopefully by, by now I am recording this in advance. So if something has happened in the last week, with the Indiana Pacers, I'm not aware of it because these shows have been uh, pre-recorded. But we're going to talk about the Pacers' season. We're going to go through what happened, what we make of it, where they sit for next season. Still a lot of unknowns with this squad. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are we looking at with this team? Let's look at their draft spot. Obviously, we don't know their exact draft spot because we're still four weeks away from the NBA draft lottery. But at the moment, they're in the fifth position meaning yeah, they've obviously got a lesser chance in the top four of getting into the top four, but they still do have that um, you know, safety of being a top 10 pick if four people jump ahead of them. They're going to remain in that area. So let's just say they've got number five at the moment. They've also got number 16 as part of the Karis Levert deal. They've also got, which of course can change depending on if Cleveland ends up making the playoffs or not, because um, that pick, you know, if the Cavs, because I'm recording this before that in that final play-in game, so that spot could change. They've got 31 from the Rockets, and they've got number 60 from Phoenix. They don't have their own second rounder. That's gone to the Magic. But as things currently stand, again, pre-lottery, 5, 16, 31, and 60. So at least four draft picks they've got um, here, although that Cavs one is um, lottery protected. So if the Cavs do make or don't make the playoffs, then the Pacers won't get that pick. So that that's worth... Um, that's worth mentioning at this uh, at this point. What else have we got going on in terms of their season next year? There is, uh, or there are some free agent decisions they need to make. Um, Ricky Rubio, he's out of contract. They traded for him when he was injured, so he's never played for them. That was basically just salary uh, dumping to get him in there. TJ Warren, well, <laughs> is he a real person? I guess so. He didn't play at all. He's only 28, but what's he played? Like three games in two years? Who knows what they're going to do there? The talk seems to be that they will bring him back, um, obviously on some sort of reduced deal. Jalen Smith, who they brought in the trade deadline, he had his rookie options declined by the Suns, so there's a limit to how much they can pay him. Surely he's not going to get that much anyway. Lance Stevenson's an unrestricted free agent. Okay. The Red Rooster Terry Taylor is a non-guaranteed. Dwayne Washington Jr. is a non-guaranteed. I think they'll bring both of those guys back. You've got a $1.8 million team option on O'Shea Brissett. I'm sure they'll bring him back as well. And that's where we sit. So Warren and Rubio, they're on big contracts. That was 13 and 18 million between for those two. Warren, 13, and Rubio, 18. I think they'd like to bring them both back. Um, they desperately need help in terms of wing depth with forwards. But you obviously can't trust... TJ Warren at this point at all. 
with his injuries and Rubio having a second ACL at age 31 is pretty rough. I think they will be interested in getting them back at the right price. But with Rubio, you've got Halliburton, you've got Brogdon, and you've got McConnell. What's the point of him? So yeah, that, that's an iffy one. Jalen Smith, yeah. Look, if they get it reasonable price, three years, nine million, maybe. Uh, that could be a possible deal. They could go that way. Lance, uh, again, I don't see the point. I don't see the point of a 31-year-old who was like thoroughly okay-ish below average on a team that doesn't really need what he does, I don't think. So I, I don't I don't think... I know they love him and they froth him for whatever reason. Um, I just don't really see the purpose of of bringing him back yeah, at, at any cost, really. I don't, I don't see the, any need for that whatsoever with Lance Stevenson, but that is how their off-season is shaping up. We'll talk TJ Warren first now because what do we make of him? Obviously, we were very cautious about drafting him because we, we don't like drafting blokes who are entering the season injured, but under no circumstance that I think he'd miss the rest of the year. He broke his foot January 2021, so we thought 12 months is a fair time frame. Um, he'll miss the first couple of months of the season, but he just never came back. After Rick Carlisle said in December, oh, yeah, he's, he's weeks away. He's weeks away. I guess those weeks mean 40, because that's how far away he is from playing in an NBA game. The last time we actually saw him, obviously, was the bubble where he was insane. He's not going to be that good. But in terms of full seasons, he had a 52nd ranked season and a 64th ranked season over those last two years. I just don't think that that's a realistic expectation for TJ when he comes back to get that usage, to play those minutes, and to even play enough games. I don't know where he sits or where we should be viewing him longer term. As He's only 28, but he seems to be a consistently slow healer. That's no shame to him. He can't help that stuff. But remember when he hurt his ankle in um, Phoenix and it took months to come back and he had a head injury that wasn't a concussion. He was out for months. Now he's broken his foot and he's out for two years. Uh, It's just a very, very long time to be out with those sort of injuries. Um, Way longer than, um, than usual, I think is fair. But he was on a nice trajectory. I think there's a little bit of dynasty discount there. But if you're banking on him playing more than 65 games, I, I do think you're probably going to end up um, going wrong with that one. Guys, I'll tell you what you're also going to go wrong with, and that is free trials, because they renew without your consent. And then you're stuck there paying this bill that you don't want to have to. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. And because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped them save over $100 million. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start cancelling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. I just finished my Built Bar for this morning. It was bloody good. I had a Built Puff, which is protein-infused marshmallow. I had the lemon-dipped cheesecake flavor. Nice citrus burst to start off my morning. If you had Bilt Bar, if you haven't, you don't know what you're missing. They are the best tasting protein bars ever. Instead of reaching for a candy bar, which they're delicious. Instead of reaching for a disgusting protein bar after a workout, get a Bilt Bar. It's got the protein, 17 grams in most of the bars, but it's low in calories, 130 in most of these bars. Four grams of sugar, four grams of fat, 
four grams of net carbs as well, and the tastes are great. There's always special edition flavors they're bringing out, but I really like the cookies and cream. The lemon dip cheesecake's going all right as well. There's the raspberry, the strawberry, the orange, all those great flavors. And you can get all of these bars now for 15% off. If you head to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. So head to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. Built Bar is built different. Let's talk about some players now on this squad. And I think the number one spot where we have to start is with Tyrese Halliburton, who was the 24th ranked player this year. His ADP was around 50. I fielded questions in the first month of the season about whether we drop him. Um, again, you'll always find reactionary moments at the beginning of the year. He played 35 minutes, had 15, 4, and 8, 1.7 steals, 47, 84, shooting 41% from three. The three-point volume's still not quite where we want it to be. I'd like it a little bit higher. The scoring's not that high. And remember, a lot of his damage came, and a lot of these big numbers came while he was in Indiana without Miles Turner, without Malcolm Brogdon, without a functional team, without whatever TJ Warren's bringing. So I think there's should be rightfully a level of skepticism about some of the numbers that he put up. In a points league, for example, he was 44th. That That's worth mentioning the big difference there. 37 fantasy points per game. So why was he so much higher in category leagues? Well, it's the very big assist numbers, huge assist numbers, in fact. They went from 5.3 last year to 8.2 this year. They up, they went to like almost 10 a game in, um, in his time in Indiana as well. Over the last 13 games, he averaged 15, 4, and 10 with 1.6 deals with a true shooting of something insane, 60%. But an 18% usage. He's not a high usage player, but those some of those numbers are actually crazy. When he plays alongside a Brogdon, is it, or it went, if Brogdon plays, is there is there that upside in Tyrese? Like he was by far their best player in Raptor War. By far. In terms of the regular guys, in terms of regular Raptor, he led the team in that as well. He was actually fourth in E fifth in EPM, interestingly, behind Turner, Brogdon, Rubio, and Smith. That's an interesting number to me. Defensively, he was a pretty significant negative. Um, he doesn't get to the rim really at all. And he did get by on some really hot mid-range shooting, 47%, which gives you a little bit of a little, maybe there's some drop-off there. The assist rate is great. The steal rate is great. Right, there's no, no denying any of that. But I think some of his impact this season has been overvalued because of the little run that he had to end the season in Indiana. And I don't think that that sort of ecosystem where he's playing 36 a night and getting 10 assists a game and being everything on the team is a realistic, it's a realistic vision for where this team goes. Halliburton's good. He's very good. He's solid. I think it's a huge win for them to get him in the trade. Um, that ma massive win. But is he a guy... And I know people will look at this as well. It's one of the clear factors that when I talk about turnovers and you know, I say don't view rankings with turnovers on. Um, yeah, will you will you feel good about drafting Tyrese Halliburton in the first round or the second round? Like, is that is that something that you think is going to make a lot of sense? I don't. 
will you look at the other thing that you will look at is total value and Tyrese Halliburton was the seventh ranked player nine cat total value would anyone in good conscience conscience draft him seventh because the only reason to look at total value when trying to predict what we're going to happen is you think well he's going to play those same amount of games and have that same value again but would you take him at seven and I think I think the answer is a clear absolutely not. There is no way in the world that I would take him at seven. Um, again, you just... There is there's a lot of... I don't know if the right, the right term is... Nuance, I, I don't know. But you have to be really cautious about looking at those numbers. And when you, again, when you come in and think about it, would you want to draft someone like that at that early slot. And I think I think the answer is going to be no in most cases. And that's where you have to be really cautious of overvaluing someone. He only missed five games and not many people you know, played that many games. He's really good. I think there is a real... Um, there is a window, a real dynasty sell high window, which is crazy for a second year player. But if you get a top 10 guy back for him, I, I would do it. I think that he can be consistently a top 35, top 40 player. Maybe have a couple of years where he pushes higher. But under no circumstance do I value him as a top 10 guy. And I disagree with me. Hey, drop it in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. Do you think, would you spend a top 10 pick on Tyrese Halliburton? Would you? I Again, I, I think it's pretty wrong to do that. And his numbers come through two categories, assists and steals. The only other category where he had a Z score of over 0.3 was free throw percentage. And he was at 0.39. Like He was big in two categories. And average or below average in the others. And that's really important. Is he a good player? Yeah. Is he their best player? I, I, don't, I don't think so. Is he their best player moving forward in the future? Probably will become that. But ideally, he's your, he's your second or third guy. If they hit and get a good lottery pick here, he'll be a great compliment to whoever. And that's part of the value of him. Is he can be really good on whatever sort of team you want. I think I've talked a lot or too much, perhaps, about Tyrus Halliburton. Let's talk about Miles Turner, who was the 42nd ranked player in category leagues. He was uh, 70th in points league. So we, we understand the split. We know he's a much better category league guy than points league guy. He only played 29 minutes a game and only played 42 games with a broken foot. We have to be a little bit worried about the foot now. That's two years in a row. The season's ended early due to the foot issue. We thought that maybe he was going to come back and then he just never did. He ended up averaging 13 and 7 with three blocks. Almost three, sorry. And one of the things that I stressed with Miles Turner in the preseason, he was still really good. 42 with an ADP of 43. Very hard to complain about that. Shot 51 from the field and 75 from the line. Still grabbed the seven boards. I know people, oh, you're seven foot. Why don't you grab 10 rebounds? I, he just doesn't. That's just what happens. Like, who cares? Um, the year before that, he was the 31st ranked player. But as I mentioned a million times on this show in the preseason, is that if you're banking on someone because they got 3.4 blocks, a gigantic, gigantic balls out outlier, it will decrease. All right, And he went from being... Uh, 2.8 is still brilliant. 3.5 Z score in blocks for three for 2.8 blocks. The problem is the year before he was at 4.4 Z score, getting 3.4 blocks. When you go from 
unbelievable to still unbelievable but less unbelievable it hurts it didn't hurt that much because he offset it by increasing his um uh, uh, sorry his uh, field goal percentage quite a bit that helped and he wasn't a negative in that category he was able to bump that to be a positive that helped offset it but he still dropped around in value because those blocks at 2.8 still an excellent number that is worth mentioning and now we've got to factor in what happens with his foot he hasn't played 50 games for two straight years his Raptor defensively was really strong. His EPM was miles ahead of anyone on this team. He was in the 89th percentile in the NBA. He was actually 79th percentile for uh, estimated wins despite playing half the games. That's a pretty good effort. His true shooting was good. His finishing at the rim was excellent, 74%. He also got by on some really hot mid-range shooting. He didn't take many there, but he did get by there. His rebounding is not great, but it's not as horrific as people would make out. And his block rate's obviously sensational. Led the team in LeBron by a significant margin as well. Um, and good numbers in Darko too. I, I really still like Turner. He's 26. I would have liked if he went to another team and they traded him not Sabonis and he played 33 minutes a night and he would be a top 25 guy pretty comfortably. But Carlisle is, and the injuries are, are keeping his minutes a little bit low. Without Sabonis next year, I really do think that he is a real blow-up candidate, but you've got to balance that with injuries, don't you? Like how long is he going to play? Because if he plays 70 games, he will be, and you get him in the 50s, it's a massive win. I think it's going to be a huge win if that happens. But it's an if, isn't it? I think when he plays, he's going to be great. But how much is he going to play is going to be the question. Let's look at Brogdon. Um, 36 games for Brogdon. That's really poor. He was 49th on a per-game basis. He was 50th in points leagues. He averaged 19, 5, and 6, only 0.9 steals and shot just 45 from the field. In Indiana, his shooting numbers have been way off compared to where they were in Milwaukee. But he's getting by on some really pretty decent usage. And yeah, 19, 5, and 6 are good numbers. But he doesn't take many threes. His three-point attempt rate, 34%. It's not good. He hit them at 31%. That's not that good. Defensively, the defensive stats aren't quite there. And we have to be worried that he's going to get hurt because his body does not appear... And it's not just one injury, it's consistent lower body things. Groins, hips, hamstrings, and this season it was Achilles. Yes, the 36 is artificially low because there was some bullshit resting towards the end. But still, um, you've got to be worried. He's on the hook, which was an insane, um, to me, it was an insane extension when it happened. He's on the hook for three more years and almost $70 million. I don't know how you get rid of that. Do they actually bring in Westbrook and just buy him out? Maybe to get off that money. That, that's possible. That might, actually, that might actually help them. As dumb as it sounds, you don't want to play Westbrook, but maybe you just move on from Brogdon. But he was still a quality player. Like his advanced stats are all really positive. Efficiency needs a little bit of work, but everything else impact-wise was very good offensively. I just don't think you can even risk taking him in the top 75. He's 29. He's consistently got these lower body injuries. He'll put up top 40 runs. And I'm not someone who will bang on about injury. Oh, this guy broke his finger. Never drafting again. Never. How could I do it? I, I'm not that person. You know that. But with him, it's a consistent, persistent lower body injury. That there's got to be some sort of, you know, I don't even know the right word. It's like pilo mechanics. I'm sure that's not the right word. That something is not right with how his body copes with the, the pounding on the hardwood. That's what she said. So... I'd have to be pretty worried. 
about where he goes from here. And I do think that you might... It's getting close to Kemba Walker, Jeff Teague territory, where you go, maybe he's got one more year as a startable player, then he moves into a 20-minute backup role. And I reckon we might be headed there for him. For as good as he can be, he just might be better served as being a pinch-hit guy off the bench. We'll see. We'll see where that one... Um, We'll see where that one lands, but I know where BetOnline lands. BetOnline.net lands is the number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, which have started. I hope you're enjoying them. And the start of the Major League Baseball season. Go Blue Jays. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. I went really long on those three players. Sorry. Ricky Rubio. Haven't done it for a while. Let's do it. Staggeringly good. He was not good last year for Minnesota. Came to Cleveland, played 29 minutes a game, averaged 13, 4, and 6.5 and with 1.4 steals. Yeah, he shot horribly. But getting those assists and steals in those minutes was great. Do I actually think that 29 minutes is a realistic expectation for Rubio next season? Like, not remotely close to it. I don't think that we're ever going to get a top 100 season from... He was great. Don't, do not get me wrong. He was very good. But it helped that Sexton went out, and he was in a situation where they needed that. Maybe he goes back to Cleveland. I, I just don't think that we should be relying upon that. He was very high up. He led this team in Raptor with a plus four... You know, Sorry, he didn't lead the team in Raptors. He never played for them, but his Raptor was the highest on the team at plus 4.3. His EPM, especially defensively, was through the roof. I'm a little bit skeptical of that because he was pretty poor defensively last season. Um, but all of the advanced stats love what he did, apart from, um, let's just say, apart from LeBron, but that's not true because he's not on the list for LeBron. Everything about what he was able to do this year was impressive. Now, I didn't actually go through this for the other players, which I should have, um, in terms of their on-off stuff. But Miles Turner was a plus 5.2. Very interesting number. Um, Brogdon, a plus 3.8. Interesting number. Halliburton, a minus 3.2. And that's when his backups were Dwayne Washington and Lance Stevenson. I know they were tanking, but that's a concern. It's a concern that he was a negative 3.2. And the guy that he shared most of his minutes with, Buddy Heald, was a plus 2.8. Something to monitor. Um, but yeah, as for... Look, do they, they've got McConnell, they've got Brogdon, and they've got Halliburton under contract do they actually want to bring Rubio back? And where could he fit? Will he find another role to play 29 minutes? I, I think that's pretty doubtful. He was good, but to me, this is like a 34-game lightning-in-a-bottle perfect situation for a 31-year-old Rubio who's now coming back off a second ACL, which has to give us a significant level of pause. Let's talk Budrick Heald. 29 years of age. Heald played 81 games, 31 minutes a night. I think the only game he sat was because of the trade. 31 minutes, he averaged 15 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 0.9 steals, 41 and 87 is his shooting. Now, we know that 2-point shooting for him is horrific. 48% is bad. He actually only hit 37% of his threes, which when you're limited in so many areas, you'd like a little bit more. He was 97th in category leagues. He was 109th in points leagues. He was very much droppable when he was in Sacramento. And then when he joined Indiana, the minutes went up through the roof and the production went up through the roof. And the numbers he put up were strong. Defensively, he's still a real issue, neg- like a massive negative. His advanced numbers are very much middle-of-the-road sort of stuff. Um, his advanced numbers, his LeBron, is not, not particularly good. His on-off, as I said, was a positive. He was able to do a lot in Indiana when it was him and Halliburton. 
But I, I've never mentioned Duarte in, in that guard rotation. Well, where does Heald sit? Is he going to be a guy that gets packaged out along with a Brogdon to get Westbrook in? Maybe. Heald can have a real solid role on a good team if he's playing, I think, like a 25-minute bench role. The high usage role that he played starting um, for this team is not what you would want moving forward. And I think that this top 100 year, like, oh, look what he did. Can he be better than 41% shooting? Yes. Could he average more than three assists? Well, if you looked at the end of the season, you go, yeah, he, he did it. But that was without Brogdon, without McConnell, without Duarte, without Turner. So many players without Warren, who knows where he is. So many players not a part of things that it's very hard for me to look at him and go, yeah, you can keep doing that. I think that we might he might turn into last round flyer type territory. After Budrick, Timothy John McConnell played 27 games. I was pretty down on McConnell heading into this season. I know he was like a top 100 guy the year before that, but I was skeptical he'd be able to do it again. Um, I was right on this one. He ended up 149th. The, my issue was Carlisle, and like, will Carlisle give him the same ability that Bjorkren did to play so many minutes when offensively he's a real, real struggle to have out there because of his inability to shoot? And we all loved, oh, look at all the steals, look at all the assists. But yeah, he needed those big minutes to do that. And Carlisle just didn't give it to him. 24 minutes, eight points, five assists and a steal is still good. Shot 48 and 83. They're not bad numbers. Where does he fit now though? Like, Where does he slot in on this team? His LeBron, or sorry, his uh, EPM was negative 0.3, which is okay. His um, Raptor was plus 0.5, which is okay. His LeBron was negative 0.82, which is worse than okay. Like, he's just... He was solid enough. He is a backup point guard. He was a negative 0.9 on-off. Would I ever think that he's going to be a 12-team league guy again? I, I really don't think so. He's 30 years of age. He's older than Ricky Rubio. Yeah. Let, let that sink in and your brain fall out. He's older than Rubio. And... You've got Halliburton, you've got Brogdon, you've got Heald, you've got Duarte, you might have Rubio. You might not have Brogdon and Heald, I don't know. I just don't think that you want McConnell playing more than 22 minutes a night on a team that's actually trying to get better. I don't think he's that guy. So I would be very skeptical. I think last year's the big outlier, and I actually think this year, 149th, is, can he get better than that? Maybe marginally. 153rd in points leagues. Like That's sort of the area that I think he is. I'm not a big fan of him when the value comes from those two categories and steals can be fluky and then the minutes are very, very important there. I, I don't really believe in him as a player, um, as a long-term contributor. As for Duarte, a guy that I thought, not I thought, I hated them picking him at that spot. Okay, why are you picking it? How old is he? He's 25. Like, why'd you pick a 25, 24-year-old at that point rookie um, at that spot when there are other upside swings you could have taken? You aren't at, like, what, what's the purpose of this pick? He came out, he played really well for the first week or so and shot, like, 60% from three, which was never going to stick and did that with a few injuries. And we saw as the season went on, he really sort of struggled to fit in. He ended up playing 28 minutes a night. He averaged 13 and four. 13 points as a rookie is, is solid. That, that's good. You average 13 points. But 13, four, and two, he had a steal. He had 43% shooting, 37 from, from three, 48 from two really struggled in, in a lot of areas. Defensively, he held up okay. Like, I think he's fine. 
His advanced stats are all in that fine range, in that McConnell range, in that healed range. Like, they're all fine. Has he got room to improve? Yeah, but he is 25. We're two, three years out of his prime. So when you're talking dynasty value and rookies, like, compare him to Bones Highland, for example. Uh, you got talking four or five years difference here. And then think of where Bones is going to be in four years' time, and then you've, you're at where Duarte is now. Like, that's, that's why I hated the pick from them. It's like, what are you doing taking a guy mid-career who's like not actually blowing us away? I know that I'm on the downside with him, and a lot of people like him a lot more than I do. And a lot could happen to clear out space here. Brogdon goes, Heald goes, Rubio goes. Could he start next to Halliburton? I think that would be their plan long-term. But he's, he's, again, he is not. He's not that young. He's 25. For comparison, he's a year younger than Miles Turner. Uh, yeah, a year younger than Miles Turner. Like that's, that's pretty crazy to me. He's, what, four years younger than Malcolm Brogdon. And we go to Brogdon, maybe his time's up. Like that's sort of where Duarte could fit. Obviously, the toe injury hurt him. Um, I don't know. I'm just not as big on him. I could very easily be proven wrong. And if you see something different in Duarte, don't second guess. Well, you can second guess yourself, but don't just go, hey, well, Josh says this, it must be true. I just don't see it with him. I just don't see him ever developing into a guy who's going to be 25 usage or a starting point guard or a you know, best case, maybe he's a Seth Curry type of fantasy player. Maybe that's best case. And then on court, again, I just I don't really see a, him. I don't see him being a guy you've got to clear everything out to create a path for him. I don't see that with him. Isaiah Jackson could be that player. I wasn't, I didn't, you know what? I jumped ahead. I didn't mean to talk about him there, but I'm going to do it now. He was 218th this season in 15 minutes a night. In a points league, he's not as good. 228th, we know this. But 20 minutes, eight points, four rebounds, 1.4 blocks, 56 and 68. Shot 31% from three. Didn't take many threes, but he never took them in college. So that's starting to come. There's something there for him. The problem is, where is he in the center depth chart? He's behind Miles Turner. Would you want to play them together? I really don't think so. Maybe you do it for a little bit. They really didn't play Jackson at the four at all this year. They also, even when he came back at the end of the year, Goga still played over him. Now, is Isaiah Jackson the better long-term prospect? Probably. He's only two years older, but he probably is the better long-term prospect. But I think there's a little bit of overrating going on with him. Look, advanced numbers were solid. I think he was I think he was really good, and I think there's a lot to like about him. 22 usage for him is probably not a real number as we expect moving forward. Um, you know, finishing at the rim needs some work. That that can improve. He didn't take enough threes. His rebounding was strong, his shot blocking was strong, his steal rate was strong. All of that stuff was very good. There is a lot to like about Isaiah Jackson. I'm not sure it happens next season, and their offseason is going to be huge. What if they draft Chet? And then it's Chet and Turner with Jackson playing 22 a night. It might be enough to crack the top 150, and you've got to wait three years for him to be a top 100 player. He's got top 50 potential. Don't get me wrong. Absolute top 50 potential. Is it something that's going to happen, though? Is it a guarantee? We're not at that point where it's like, wow, again, do we clear out for Isaiah Jackson? Is that why we made this a bonus trade, to clear out for Isaiah Jackson? I don't believe that's the case. I don't believe that's why yeah, things were cleared out. Like, again, numbers were solid. 
really took some big steps forward as a rookie. Struggled early and came on really good late. I was really impressed with him. But it's not the clearest path to being dominant. Sorry this show's gone so long, by the way. Jalen Smith. Disappointment as a 10th overall pick. Had a few moments when a lot of blokes were injured in Phoenix and then came to Indiana and I thought played okay. Nine and six. 0.8 blocks, 0.8 threes in 18 minutes. It's not bad. That's, you know, 1.6 threes, 1.6 blocks per 36. 50 and 77. That's a true shooting of, where's my number? True shooting of 60%. Good number. Two sixteenth fantasy player. Two tenth in category leagues. Obviously, that got better as the season went on. I thought he was okay. And he's just sort of, again, sitting in that mid-range for advanced numbers. Although, EPM really liked him, 0.7. And if you can get him back on a cheap deal to be your backup four, I like it, but you run into the problem again. Turner, Smith, Jackson, Badadze, where's Warren, the Red Rooster. Who do you who are you pro, who's standing out amongst this group? Is Smith more beneficial than Jackson? Is it better to try Jackson and Turner together? Do you trade away your best player, Miles Turner, to open up space for these guys? I don't know. It's it's very hard to see how it all fits. Smith is still really young. And he's got the ability to be a shot-blocking, three-point shooting big man. I'm just not sure that we've seen quite enough flashes to get excited. I-, I liked what I saw. And yeah, I think in terms of him versus Brissett, or him versus Terry Taylor, or, I still like Goga, but even him versus Goga is pretty close. But is it a clear path? He's definitely changed my opinion a bit from his time in Phoenix. But we also saw a little bit of a drop-off towards the end of the year, and maybe it's a little bit of, well, we were just giving these minutes in a situation where we weren't trying to win. Is that real as we move forward? And I'm not sure. The Red Rooster was pretty good. Terry Taylor, he's only 20, 22. He's 22 and a half. He played 22 minutes. He's an unbelievable rebounder as like a 6'8 small forward slash center. 9 and 5, 62% with 71. So first of all, I just go, well, okay, you shot 62%. What the hell is going on there? Is that real? You shot 53% on mid-ranges. That's definitely not real. Low volume. 72% from the rim. Really good finisher. That's fine. Unbelievable offensive rebounder. Yep, we know he's got aggression there, but he's not doing much in many other areas, is he? And we saw some little moments from him, but also where is he fitting in the hierarchy of forwards and centers? Like pretty low down. I like what he did. The advanced numbers are all okay-ish, although defensively Raptor actually hated his numbers which is pretty intriguing. Actually, EPM hated them too. So defensively, he's got some real struggles. But the rebounding, the finishing stuff is really interesting. I'm just not sure that there's a starter in there. I know that there's not a starter in O'Shea Brissett. And I know a lot of people disagree with me. I just, I do not see it with this guy. 285th ranked player this season. 23 minutes, 9 and 5. Shot 41% as a power forward. 47 from 2. He blocked under half a shot and had 0.6 steals with one assist. Like, they are some absolutely putrid numbers. Putrid. Offensively, Raptor hated him. Defensively, hated him more. EPM hates him too. Ninth percentile defensively. Does LeBron hate him? I don't know about the person, but does the LeBron stat hate him? Not as much. Still pretty down on him um, defensively, though. I just don't know. Like, he is how old? O'Shea Brissett. 24? About to turn 24? Had a couple of big opportunities this year to start consistently. I would not, if I was the Pacers, be like, let's go into the season with him as my starting power forward. I just don't see it with him. 
Uh, defensively, he really struggles. He's so inefficient and inconsistent offensively. I, I just don't think that he is anywhere close to a player you want to develop as a starter. Negative 3.1 on off as well. Don't need to talk about Lance Stevenson. I don't think Gabe York, Nate, Nate Hinton, they were on the roster at the end of the year. The two guys I want to left to talk about, and one of those is the dart, Gogo Badadze. Problem with my Gogomobile. Gogomobile? No, not the dart. Not the dart. He ended up playing 50 games, Badadze, 15 minutes, 7 and 3.5, and 52 and 68 with 0.8 blocks. He was, I thought he was really strong in the games that he started, but the foot soreness really ended up ruining what could have been a slight breakout. Defensively, the advanced stats weren't the biggest fan of him. Still a big negative there, but offensively, they liked what he did. His rebound offense, this team was a really strong offensive rebounding team. He was really good there. He blocked shots at a pretty good rate. His efficiency is 60% true shooting and 57 E field goal is pretty strong. And he put up some good numbers. As a starter, he averaged 13 and 5 with 1.2 blocks. But yeah, I, 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 still, I still don't know where he fits. Like the last eight games of the year, 15 and 5, 1.4 blocks, 2.4 assists, 60 and 79. Like great efficiency, hit a three a game. Really solid. But with Turner, with Jackson, I think you're going to prioritize those guys. And even Taylor can come in and take some minutes. I think that Goga can still have maybe a one or two year run at some point on some team, like if he went to Charlotte and was their starting center, is it an upgrade over Harold and Plumley? Probably yes. Would he put up top 100 fantasy numbers? Probably yes. Would they get sick and tired of it after one to two years? Probably yes. Could he be a worse version of Marching Gortat? Maybe. But he probably needs to get out of Indiana for that to happen. And as much as I like Goga as a player, I don't foresee a five, six, seven year run as a top 100 fantasy guy coming from him. The last guy it's worth talking about is Dwayne Washington, just turned 22, played 20 minutes a night. Some of the efficiency stuff was rough. 43% on twos is bad. No steals, really low assist numbers. Thought he did well when given those opportunities, but defensively, he really struggled. The advanced numbers really don't like what he was doing. He showed some flashes as a scorer, but again, it's so hard to, it's so hard to evaluate in this environment when this team is so bad and they're just getting smacked so much and there's weird touches going to weird players. He did enough for me to suggest they will bring him back, but is there any long-term fantasy upside there? I'd say probably not. And that will do it for me on the Indiana Pacers. Don't forget, drop your comments down below. Do you think I'm off on Brogdon or Halliburton or Turner or Duarte? What's my most controversial take? Leave it in the comments. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app for here on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.